Welcome to the AccuSprout Podcast, where it's my mission to help new practitioners of Chinese medicine navigate from school to career. I'm Stacy. I'm an acupuncturist and herbalist, podcaster, coach, and creator of Magical Networks. Be sure to check out all four pillars of the podcast where I cover case studies to sharpen your clinical skills, mindset Mondays to support your mental health, new practitioner interviews to prove that you are not alone, and all things business from launching your practice to negotiating your pay if you choose to be an employee. This podcast is made possible by our sponsors. So if you would like to support the podcast, be sure to check out the sponsors page on the website to claim your special AccuSprout offers. When I first started my practice, I was actually kind of a disaster when it came to my books. I hired an accountant who actually laundered money from another client. So I went on a quest to find a bookkeeper who really tailors to and loves working with acupuncturists. And I found Sarah at Horizon West Bookkeeping, and I'm feeling pretty fortunate. Sarah offers acupuncturists and the AccuSprout community a couple different packages so that she can meet you where you are. If you're new to practice, she can come in and do what's called a QuickBooks startup package for you, where you get pretty deep discounts on QuickBooks for about four months. She sets up your chart of accounts, assists with linking your bank accounts, makes sure that all the transactions are imported, and then teaches you how to use it with two hours of one-on-one training. It's a killer deal. She also offers cleanup packages and catch-up packages. Not catch-up packages, guys. Catch-up packages. And a monthly package, which is what I use. And I find it quite affordable and so, so, so worth it because, honestly, I never, since the beginning, have been able to keep up with my bookkeeping. You can schedule a free 15-minute consultation with Sarah to make sure that you guys are the right fit for each other. And you can do that at horizonwestbookkeeping.com forward slash AccuSprout or look for the link in the show notes. Today's episode is also sponsored by Jane, an all-in-one practice management software with helpful features to power your acupuncture practice. Jane offers flexible scheduling options that match the way you work. You have the option of offering one-on-one online sessions for initial consults, meeting in person, and scheduling staggered appointments to accommodate treating patients across different treatment rooms. Jane has you covered. Keep the relaxation going with a seamless checkout experience using Jane's PCI-compliant payment solution, Jane Payments. You can collect patient credit cards securely through your intake form or at the time of booking with an online booking payment policy. This can also help reduce no-shows in your practice. It's a win-win. And Jane's unlimited SMS and email reminders can be sent automatically before each appointment as an extra layer of no-show protection. To learn more about how Jane's helpful features can help you power your acupuncture practice, head to jane.app to book a one-on-one demo with a member of their team. Or if you're ready to get started, head on over to accusprout.com forward slash Jane. And remember to use the code accusprout1mo at the time of sign up to get a one-month grace period applied to your new account. Was groomed to be the suit, the suit wearing presentable. Yeah, we'll put your yoga pants on because right? we're going to be yoga pants attorney right now. When you initially started talking to me about this, it I, I mean, I began my career in a courtroom. I have litigation experience. That is what I did. That is where I learned a huge part of the law. And it is, it is a really intense atmosphere to be in at times. And 
I, I removed myself from that because that isn't what I wanted. Welcome back, you guys. Today's episode is a bonus episode. There's some rumblings in the field, and I just really wanted to address them because I have the ability to do so. And I think this episode is going to help a lot of people. The voice you heard in the very beginning is my new friend, but also just such a great human being. Rachel Schumont is joining me in this episode, and we're going to be addressing ADA noncompliance on websites. So we need to be paying attention to this. This, since this is a bonus episode, it's a little uncut. It's still pretty good if you, if you, you know, if I do say so myself, but it is, it's a little rough in edges. Rachel is an attorney in California. When I told her about this, this thing that was going on, she was actually incredibly compassionate and kind and frustrated by the whole situation as well. And so after we recorded the episode, because she's pretty in her lane in the episode, we went back and had a conversation and I recorded that conversation. So I'm going to start this podcast off with the conversation and then we will be diving into compliance with ADA and your website and her professional thoughts on the matter. So here we go. that was groomed to be the suit, the suit wearing, presentable. Yeah, well, put your yoga pants on because right? we're going to be yoga pants attorney right now. When you initially started talking to me about this, it, I, I mean, I began my career in a courtroom. I have litigation experience. That is what I did. That is where I learned a huge part of the law. And it is, it is a really intense atmosphere to be in at times. And I, I removed myself from that because that isn't what I wanted. And my practice now is transactional. And I like that so many levels, mainly because the conversations that I'm having with people are not intense. They are preparatory. They are, tell me what to do. Help me get those contracts in place so that if, if an issue comes up down the road, then, then I'll feel like I'm in a good place and hopefully you will be in a good place. But when you contacted me about this issue and you were telling me about what, what was happening out there, it made me a step back into those shoes, those <laughs> litigator shoes that, that I left behind and mm-hmm. made me really think about the ugliness that's, that's out there. And I, I don't, I don't like that. I don't, I don't like that on a personal level. I don't like that on a professional level. I don't like that. I don't necessarily want to invite that into my practice. Although I know that that's a reality out there that pe- that people get sued, that there is, there is greed and bad things out there. And I certainly I want to use my knowledge to help people. It just to, to deal with that again, you know, face to face and to be, and, negotiating and in a courtroom and arguing it's it's not it's not pretty it's not nice most of the time and it's and it, it can be really harmful to people's livelihoods and it's yeah this is a this is a a solo practice practitioner who's being sued and it, it, the reason that it lights everybody up is because it could happen to any of us. How much money do we have sitting in our bank accounts to hire an attorney and go to court and pay fees for something that, A, if we knew, we would have done it. You know, like everything's changing so quickly. 
I think that this practice, all of us now, like we're going to do whatever we can so that it doesn't happen to us. And thank goodness he brought it up on Facebook. That was such an incredibly intense conversation. And I, we had to, just for the audience, like when I said goodbye, I I was like, or I mean, when I said goodbye to you guys on the podcast and hit stop on the button, I I said to Rachel, okay, we I need to take a recess. Like I need 10 minutes. <laughs> You know, we both stepped away from that conversation and just, I mean, I ate something really quickly, but (laughs) I paced, I literally paced for a few minutes thinking, wow, I am fully charged. I'm feeling rather intense now and, you know, pretty upset about this too, because it's what I perceive as an incredibly unfair situation. Like if, if somebody could just say, you know, file something like here's a complaint let's fix it, then that might be okay. But to be sued and fined and have to hire an attorney, it's not okay. And yeah, I think we're sharing that same feeling right now. Just I, of Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I think what is what is difficult for me to look at is the statistics surrounding these types of lawsuits. Because what I am seeing is that most of these lawsuits settle out of court. So I think that if there, if the drive or the point behind these lawsuits was to make a point to get clear guidance from courts about what is expected, then then yes, I wholeheartedly in, embrace those lawsuits, and I think that there should be clear guidance, and I think that that is ne- that necessarily it comes out of a courtroom. Laws aren't drafted with every detail, so we need the courts to interpret. We need the courts to give us guidance. But the problem here is that they're not making it into the courtroom. There isn't guidance coming out of it. It's just businesses paying money in some situations. And that is not, it's not affecting any change. It's just, it's just punishing people who maybe don't, don't know what they're doing or didn't know what they're, what they needed to do to comply. And so that is incredibly frustrating to look at. But on on the flip side of that, as, as business owners, like I said, we are we have a responsibility and that is, I, I absolutely agree with that, that, that we need to be responsible for our businesses and we need to respect everyone in whatever capacity they're coming to us in. And so, yeah, it's just a, the hard conversation. Yeah, it really is. And it, it really was. And I, I totally appreciate um, this conversation because like you said, when I hit rule, Rachel turns into a very, a very in her lane speaking attorney. And this kind of rocked her a little bit too. And I wanted you guys to see that while she is very much an intelligent in her lane attorney, she really actually is also a very kind yoga instructor being you guys. So I just I, to find the middle ground every just day, <laughs> a, you know, just a human, like all of us with, with emotions and, and pulls in different directions. So I wanted to share this with the audience. And thank you so much, Rachel, for being vulnerable with the way that you feel about this too and sharing. Welcome back to the AccuSprout podcast. This is Stacey Whitcomb and I am your host. Today, I'm doing a bonus episode. I recently was on Facebook. I know the evil, the evil Facebook, but I do peruse it occasionally because I love the topics that show up and they just create some really good fodder for future podcasts. 
But something came to my awareness that really I felt like needed to be addressed as quickly as possible because it sort of lit the Facebook room on fire, so to speak. So there is a practitioner who recently in the state of California is being sued for being in violation of ADA with his website. And it's legitimate. Let's start with this. The date is January 27th, 2021, because I think a point of reference is important too. Anyway, sued for ADA noncompliance, so to speak, with a website. Everybody got super excited and very upset because does this mean that I'm going to be under attack for no good reason? At this point, what you guys don't know is I've been putting together a podcast series with, man, a super intelligent, awesome human being. And her name is Rachel Schumont. She is an attorney in California specializing in helping wellness practitioners, acupuncturists, yoga instructors, etc. with their the legal aspects of their business. So I contacted Rachel about this to see if perhaps she could help and shine some light on some topics and help put us at ease a little bit, tell us what we need to be concerned about and what we don't need to be concerned about, or even honestly, just a legal perspective. So I'm bringing onto the show, Rachel Schumann. Welcome to the show, Rachel. Why don't you tell the audience a little bit about yourself? And I imagine that you want to do a little disclaimer. I do. So my name is Rachel Schumann. I am a health and wellness attorney. I have a practice that is based in California. My practice is called Council for Wellness, and I specialize in the laws and the regulations as they pertain to healthcare providers like you and other practitioners in the health and wellness industry in general. And I really love what I do. I love that I get to help create and maintain these solid businesses so that my clients are able to focus on what they do and don't have to worry about their security and and liability. Specifically, I help my clients with things like choosing, establishing, and maintaining an appropriate entity, getting good contracts, solid, well-drafted contracts in place, hiring, employment classification, intellectual property issues like trademark and copyright and really anything else that comes up in their business, sort of like what we're talking about today with the ADA. But I would like to quickly say that while I am an attorney and I'm licensed in California and Florida, I'm able to offer legal advice on the laws in these states as well as advice on federal law like the the ADA. And I'm happy. I'm so happy that I can be here to share my knowledge with you guys. And I I do hope that I can provide some practical information that helps you better understand how you operate your business. But I would like to make clear that uh, while I am an attorney, I am not your attorney. And me speaking here does not establish any sort of attorney client relationship. And the information that we're going to talk about today is for general informational purposes only. Nothing that I say should be taken as legal advice or advice that would directly apply to any specific facts. And if you have questions about something that we talk about today, it's always best to find a resource in your area and get a professional opinion. Awesome. Okay. Thank you so much for all of that and for being here. Let's start. I I came in hot, didn't I? (laughs) Let's start with just uh, the way that we've started the series, which is defining ADA. So can we start with some legal definitions and kind of put them into normal speak? Yes. 
So the ADA is the Americans with Disabilities Act. And this is a civil rights law that gives civil rights protections to individuals with disabilities. It's similar to how we have protected classes that we often hear about, how people are protected on the basis of things like race and color, age, religion, and all the other protected classes. The ADA prohibits discrimination against individuals with disabilities in all areas of public life. So in terms of employment, education, transportation, public spaces. And the purpose is to make sure that people with disabilities have the same rights and opportunities as everyone else. The ADA is divided into five sections that relate to these different areas of public life. And for for this conversation, we're talking about what's called Title III of the Americans with Disabilities Act. And Title III says that no individual or class of individuals shall, because of a disability, be denied the opportunity to participate in or benefit from the goods, services, facilities, privileges, advantages, or accommodations of a place of public accommodation. So what that means is that if you own a business um, and it's open to the public, you need to make sure that individuals with disabilities are able to participate in or benefit from your goods or services or or whatever you have. Okay. So... This person is now being sued for their website. How how does ADA wow, how does that translate? What do we need to be aware of there? And what what are they looking for? I don't think that they gave him the information of what exactly he was being <laughs> summoned for. Is it summoned? Was that a proper term? <laughs> yes, served probably is, is what you're looking for. <laughs> I can't speak to the specifics of, of, of that case because I'm sure I'm not aware of, of that. However, what I think was what you're going, the question you're maybe asking is, is how does the ADA apply to websites? Maybe? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So A website has to be accessible to individuals with disabilities. So, for example, um, someone who is hearing impaired, maybe they can't um, access your audio recordings or even video recordings. So including things like captions on your videos would make it accessible. And traditionally, Title III of the ADA has it's really only applied to physical spaces or that's where you would see the litigation coming out of companies being sued because their physical space is not accessible. But we're moving out of a world where where businesses are primarily in a physical space and, and many businesses now operate online. And so litigation, uh, litigation is people being sued, lawsuits, and it people were being sued because individuals with disabilities were saying that they did not have meaningful access to these companies' websites. And there's there's bigger lawsuits out there. And if you do a Google search, you can see Beyonce, Hooters, larger more prominent figures are being sued for their website being not accessible. And while the Americans with Disabilities Act Title III doesn't specifically address websites, courts in in ruling on these lawsuits have begun interpreting the way that the, the ADA is applied to to websites. And right now, for a multitude of reasons, the law isn't settled and it isn't clear. There isn't clear law that says 100% the ADA applies to websites. Some courts have said that the ADA does not apply to websites. Some courts have said, yes, they do. Some courts have said, 
that there has to be some sort of nexus or connection between the business's physical space and their website. So for example, if you um, have a website where you can schedule through your website to come into your physical practice, if there's some sort of connection. But while the law isn't clear right now, it's a good idea to start moving in that direction and evaluate your website for compliance because these lawsuits are being filed and they're being filed more and more and more. It's becoming more common to see these lawsuits. So since there's no precedence and the law is not clear, how do we know what what specific steps we need to, to take to obviously we're not going to be able to, like you're saying, be able to ensure 100% that we're not going to get sued. But in the likelihood of being sued, what can we put in place so that if it happens, we're less likely to lose a case? So under the actual law, Title Three, it doesn't have a list of things that you can check off, which which would be really nice. (laughs) What it says is that individuals with disabilities must have the full and equal enjoyment of good services, facilities, privileges, advantages, or accommodations that you offer. So as long as individuals with disabilities are able to access your website as fully and equally and meaningfully as someone without a disability, then theoretically you should be in compliance. Unfortunately, that isn't always clear. So what courts have been doing, and I believe the U.S. Department of Justice has also referenced, is the Web Content Accessibility Guidelines, WCAG. And this, these guidelines you can find through a quick Google search. Um, and also I, I saw that there are blogs who have tried to make it a little more user-friendly. But what these guidelines do, they provide four main principles. They say that your website has to be perceivable, operable, understandable, and robust. And I'm not going to go through the whole list because that is not my area of expertise. It's when you read it, it's actually pretty difficult for someone, maybe maybe not if you're tech-minded. But I won't go through the entire list, but it covers information like including that closed captioning for recording so that hearing impaired individuals are able to benefit from the recording. And also things like making sure you have clear headings on each web page and courts are say, are using that as a reference when they are are instructing businesses to be in compliance. So while that is not law that you have to comply with those guidelines, courts are referencing it. So that would be a good place to start. There are companies who offer what are called widgets and also things called overlays that you can put on your website that make businesses what they claim it will make your business website ADA compliant. However, be cautious of using a widget or an overlay as your as your security for, for not uh, being sued because in just a quick search of lawsuits that were filed within the past year, there are many companies who use widgets and who use overlays and who are still being targeted by ADA lawsuits. So I, I don't see that using widgets or overlays would should give you any sort of security. I think the best route would be to ensure that you are compliant with the guidelines that we talked about or to hire an expert who can audit your website and then offer you a plan to resolve any issues that are outstanding on your website. We have the option of getting on and trying to interpret it, interpret what the WCAG guidelines are and then complying with those or hire a specialist who can audit our website. I think those are two great places to start. 
Okay. Tell me what happens if you go to court for noncompliance. What kind of penalties are people paying? And does this vary by state? And can you kind of touch on those topics a little bit? Absolutely. So if you are sued under Title Three of the ADA for having a website that's not compliant, you can be sued either by a person, a private party, or you can be sued by the U.S. Attorney General. So in terms of a person, a private party suing you, the ADA, the section of the ADA says that if a private party sues you for vi- violation of the ADA, their only recourse is to have something what's of what's called injunctive relief, meaning that they can ask the court to issue an order telling you to do something like to, to fix your website. But there isn't any financial recourse for that person who's suing you. They're not going to get paid money damages other than maybe attorney's fees by suing you under Title Three of the ADA for your website. However, what's been happening is that there are some states that have essentially a state version of of the ADA or have incorporated the ADA into state law. And And these states, I'm thinking of California because I'm in California, provide for these private parties to be able to recover financial, what's called damages, you would have to pay for violating their rights, essentially. So here in California, we have the UCRA. And that says that if an individual sues you under under the UCRA, that they are entitled to recover money from you. And it can be for each instance of the violation. And it can be for a minimum of $4,000, which is really harmful to to small practices. Mm. So that's just one way that you can be sued for noncompliance with your website. The other way is through the U.S. Attorney General. So the U.S. Attorney General, they have to investigate alleged violations of Title III. And they have to do periodic compliance reviews So if the uh, U.S. Attorney General has a reason to believe that there's a person out there who's has engaged in this pattern of discrimination, or if they believe that a a person has been discriminated against, and that this is an issue of of public importance, then the um, Attorney General can either start a civil action, or they can intervene in an action that's brought by a private party. So the difference is that unlike a person suing you, for civil actions that are brought by the attorney general, that those can result in financial penalties. So if if you are found in violation, the court can can issue that order instructing you to to do or not do something, such as in the case with the with the private lawsuit, private party lawsuit. But they can also award financial damages, compensatory damages, including out of pocket expenses and damages for pain and suffering. So there are penalties if you're sued under the ADA, especially if the attorney general is involved in the suit. I think that if you're a large corporation and you choose not to invest the millions of dollars that you're making into making sure that your website is accessible to people with disabilities, I think that is a situation that would maybe result in a civil penalty. Yes, the attorney general could get involved. Yes, the attorney general could do a a periodic compliance review, find your website and bring an action. Do I think that's probably going to happen for the small acupuncturist? No, but could that happen? Yes. And knowing the difference between between a private party lawsuit and the US attorney general being involved, I think the the main point to get out of that is that 
under the ADA, a private party suing under the ADA is not going to get money from you. You could have financial responsibility if the U.S. Attorney General gets involved. And it's, it, it gets messier because of the state laws that are involved. So when we're specifically talking about Title III of the ADA, that's pretty clear. There's, there's injunctive relief under an, a private party lawsuit, and there is financial relief when the Attorney General is involved. That's pretty clear. But what's happened... Wait, wait, wait. What's injunctive? Injunctive relief is a court order where the court can tell you to do or not do something. Like fix your website. Correct. Yeah. So like, hey, look, I don't have access to their video on their website and I'm going to sue you. And the court will say, okay, well, you're the, the result of this lawsuit is that you have to fix your, fix your website. Yeah, which is best case scenario, obviously. That's that's what we would hope for if we were getting sued. Yes. But the problem then, comes in is that people are suing under under state laws, like in California, the, the UCRA. And, mm-hmm. and state laws obviously vary by state. And in California, there is financial recourse for a private party under state law. So it gets, yeah. it gets confusing about which law you're suing under and what, and what the penalty could be. Right. So probably just, and I'm just going to say this and I know you're, you can't comment on it, but probably my guess is that this practitioner is California practitioner who's being sued. And obviously whoever is suing him either really has an issue and wants him to fix his website or perhaps I hate to say it, but maybe he's getting sued for, so that somebody can collect $4,000. Oh, this is so complicated. (laughs) and frustrating. It is so complicated and frustrating. Well, I really wanted to give the listeners a really good, clear answer on what they need to do. And I feel like the clearest answer is to find a specialist that can take a look at your website and make sure you're in compliance with a law that isn't even showing up in the courts as definitive. You're exactly right. right. Yes. And I I think think the, the best way that you can do that is by following those guidelines. But have you looked at those guidelines? No, I didn't know about those guidelines. But what I do know, tell me if I'm wrong about this. This is somebody who's just like, oh gosh, not, I mean, I'm not an attorney. So from where I sit and what I understand often is that if you're trying to show that you're trying to be in compliance with the law and you get sued, it's really in your favor that you've done everything that you know how to do so that you don't get sued. So in other words, to me, from where I'm sitting, I can't afford to hire somebody to do an audit on my website to make sure that I'm compliant. But what I can do is go ahead and get a widget, go ahead and make sure that I'm, I take a look at the WCAG regulations or, or guidelines, you know, and do my due diligence under what I can do. And then I mean, this is just me talking about my choices. Absolutely. And that that feels like the best that I can do. Yes. You know? And I think that and, that also kind of what you're getting at is that there's there's this conversation happening that if you if you get sued and you fix the problems, then the lawsuit will go away. And the answer is is maybe. It that that might be the case. Um, there's a legal term for that. It's called moot. And a case is moot when it no longer presents some like some live issue that the court can resolve. And so if you're sued, and then you go through and you update your website and make it accessible. And let's say you complied with every single guideline, so there was no issue. Then there really wouldn't be an issue for the court to decide. And that may make the lawsuit 
go away. However, there's some courts that haven't, they haven't dismissed cases, even though everything is fixed and it becomes an issue or question of liability for doing something wrong. Because as business owners, we have, we have a responsibility to be in compliance with the laws. We have a responsibility to, to make our public um, space accessible, but it becomes that, that question of liability for doing wrong or remedying a wrong action. And courts um, have decided differently about whether or not correcting the problem resolves the lawsuit. I have seen that what some courts are looking at is what your motivation was in making the changes, whether or not, you know, if you're served with a lawsuit and then you quickly update your website versus, versus having, you know, taken all the steps before a lawsuit and thinking that you were in compliance or doing everything that you could. Courts have also looked at whether or not your non-compliance could reasonably be expected to reoccur. And that's language coming out of a case. So I don't even think that language is very clear because I mean, our, our websites are, are constantly changing and, you know, people update their websites all the time. They add, they add things, they take away things. So Yes, I think complying with this and making, I don't think that there is a a 100% sure way to make sure that you are not going to be sued and that if you were sued, that there wouldn't be an issue with your website. Yeah, I just think you just have to do your own best due diligence and just let it go. And then, you know, (laughs) there you have it, (laughs) just like everything else. I'm curious too, and I don't know if you know the answer to this question, and it may just require me doing some research and coming back and continuing to record. But do you know if the malpractice insurance companies, we talked about this malpractice insurance insurance in our second, in our series, which isn't out yet, but I don't think we even talked about this. Do you know anything about that? I actually was thinking about this yesterday and I don't know the answer to it, but I would assume that it would depend on your policy. And it's actually after you and I were talking about this, it's something that I don't actually know if my malpractice insurance covers me for that. And it's something that I want to look at. Yeah, I think we'll both be making phone calls today. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Well, I I feel like, is there anything else that I haven't asked that you, you have thoughts about? I think that there was... A question about whether or not the the ADA applied in the context of healthcare professionals. And- oh, I know. Yeah, healthcare professionals, and then also companies with fifteen employees or less or more. Yeah. So yeah. So the short answer is maybe yes. If if the ADA applies to websites, if a court ruled that it did apply to to websites, and in, in the case of your lawsuit that hopefully will never happen, then yes, healthcare professionals have to make sure that their website is ADA compliant. Healthcare professionals are included under Title III of the ADA. And specifically, what the law says is it lists healthcare providers as a listed category. And it says the professional office of a healthcare provider, hospital, or other service establishment is included. So yes, that's the short answer for that. And also, in terms of the number of employees. So the confusion with that comes in because there under the ADA there are different titles. Title 1 is refers to employment, employment issues, and that applies is if an employer has less than 15 employees, then they wouldn't necessarily be they wouldn't be held to the, to the ADA standards. But Title one is different than Title three, and so the number of employees you do or don't have does not apply in this in this context. Okay, that's super helpful because I know that a lot of people were hoping for 
for, I want to say clemency. Would that be clemency? (laughs) Okay, for now. (laughs) That they were immune. How about that? It's a good word, isn't it, right now? Yeah. Immune to being sued, so to speak, because they didn't have 15 employees. So that's not the case. That's not the case. So yeah, you guys, anything else, Rachel? No, I I know that this is a a complex discussion to be having. And I hope that, you know, no one else goes through this, but it's also, it's important. I know that you and I were talking before this, that, that we all, as business owners, we all do have a duty to make sure that everyone is respected and everyone, you know, is, is able to, to access our businesses. And I think that's, you know, a responsibility that we have as business owners, but the the uncertainty of what we're supposed to do makes it difficult to comply with. And I think it's a little unnerving about how we continue to operate our business. Yeah. Thank you so much. I totally appreciate um, you helping. And if any of the listeners would like to find Rachel, if you're in California, especially, she can be found at Council for Wellness. And I will put all of this in the show notes. I will also put the WCAG link in the show notes as well. So you can find that there. You guys can find the show notes on my website or in your um, podcast feed. My website's accusprout.com. And I just also want to say to the listeners, you know, um, I'm sure I I feel like I feel kind of bad because I didn't bring the sunshine on this one. And I always want to like, I don't know. I'm a healer. I want people to feel better. But I guess maybe just knowledge and knowing kind of that we sit in a gray area and this isn't all super definitive, but at least we kind of have an idea of best practices as far as what we can do and feel like that's more defined after this conversation. I really hope that that you find this helpful. And I will continue to do my best when things like this come up to put out really great content so that we're all on the same page. So thanks for listening, you guys. I totally appreciate you. Go ahead and and head on over and take a look at those show notes. If you appreciate what I do, please head on over. You're always welcome to DM me on Instagram. And that is at AccuSprout. All right. Take care. Thanks, you guys. That's it. That's the end of the show. Thanks for tuning in. I really appreciate you guys. And if you appreciate this podcast, it would be amazing if you could head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a great review. And if you don't like what I'm doing, then that's okay. No worries. Just skip it.